A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to this podcast, which is an abridged version of the television interview that I did with James Corden as part of my In Conversation series, on the W channel. I hope you enjoy listening to it. This podcast is brought to you by UKTV Play. Tonight, my guest in conversation is an award-winning actor, writer and performer. He went from playing the corners in the Salvation Army to becoming the toast of Broadway and is now the most successful British export to the US since the Beatles. Tonight, my guest is James Corden. <laughs> First of all, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. What a, no. what a joy. No, this is the first interview I think you've done since coming back from America for this little break. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't really talked about it at all, actually. So, so it's quite nice. everyone wants to know, what's it like? In, a, in Just, I mean, your life has changed massively in the last 12 months. And for us from here, it's like seeing a prodigal son go and smash it. But well, what's it really like? I sort of look at it in two ways, really. I look at it in one way, the way my life has changed, in which we are living in a very different place, in that we live as far away as you can get on one plane, you know. Yeah. And uh, when, when I decided to go, my wife was pregnant with our daughter and my son was three. And he's now five and our daughter's 18 months and we've, we've really picked up our whole lives and, and, and live in a completely different way of life and one that I'm very much enjoying, actually. It's a, it's a, it's a fun place to have young kids. It's, it's a completely different change of pace and in that respect, I'm really enjoying it. And then in another way, my whole career has changed in a way that I, I never ever thought it ever would or could really. I, it's just never something I considered that my life would be. Yeah, you know? but, but when you think about it, no one's going to consider that. I mean, you're the host of The Late Late Show. You're on four times a week across America and right across from Canada and one of the features of the show is the Carpool Karaoke, which is at, you know, nearly one and a half billion YouTube hits. Yeah, the show in, in total, yeah, it's crazy. So explain the job for those people who don't know it. Well, the job is a late-night talk show of which there are five on network television in America and it's been on, I think, for 20 years in various different guises. And so The Late Show, which started with The Late Show with David Letterman, and then there would always be the Late Late Show that would follow that. And we were very lucky that we followed like David Letterman's last sort of month. And it's a late night talk show where you would talk about the news and you would have guests every night. And we have tried to make our show closer to a, a variety show, really. And I just never thought it was something I wanted to do, to do a talk show. I'd, I'd sort of been offered or talked about maybe doing sort of something similar to that here. And I, I just always wanted to be an actor and a writer, really. And, and then the more I thought about it, the more I just thought I would much rather regret doing something than not doing something. Mm. And I've never wanted to have a career that's really been predictable in any way. And I thought, well, here's someone offering me a, a job where I will just get to be creative every day, which is really all I ever want. 
My wife was pregnant, and I actually made the decision when I was in South Africa, filming in a prison in Johannesburg, Skyping my son on my birthday, thinking, this is only going to get harder to leave them. And here is a job where, however hard I work in the day, my son wakes up in the night, if he has a nightmare, if something happens, if he needs me at school, I'm never going to miss my daughter's first steps. I'm going to be around. Here is a job that's offering me all of that and the creativity that I desire. And there might be a world in which this may be, maybe the thing I was actually meant to do. And so I just thought, well, let's jump and try it. And if it doesn't work, which it won't, we'll just come back and we'll have had a nice yeah. time. I remember talking to you before you went yeah. and you said to me, you know, I don't think it's going to work, but I'm too deep in now to say I'm not going to oh, try it. Oh, for sure, for sure. There was a point about two weeks before we were going to launch where I remember saying to, to Ben, who's my best friend and the exec producer of our show, and I said to him, I was like, if I could just give the money back now and just walk away, I would. Like, pretty much everyone else who has taken on a job like this yeah. has, has basically been on Saturday Night Live for 10 years or been doing a show on Comedy Central for seven or eight years and have established an audience and are known. Two weeks after our show had launched, I still couldn't get in our building without a pass. That's how much oh, ground mean, you, we had to cover. You were completely unknown, because I know there was one feature where you went round interviewing the general public saying, yes. what do you think of this James Corden, who's the host of The Late Late yeah. Show? Yeah. And some people go, well, I think he's brilliant. And clearly had no idea yeah. who he was. They go, I think he's really good. They go, I think he's really great. I think he's an I go, do you, it, like, but what about that? Because it's strange to see someone on TV with, with such a strange thing on their face. And they go, but I, I love that. I think that's great. I think it's wonderful. <laughs> and I go, and it doesn't, it's, it's weird that you'd see someone without two front teeth hosting a TV show. They go, do you know what? I don't care, man. I think he's great. I think he's fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, and yes, we tried to do that to sort of show people quite how ridiculous it was. that. We but were your, your first booking coming from that low start was Tom Hanks. We did a bit on the show where we reenacted his film career in, I think, like seven minutes. So I had this idea on the roof outside of our office, which is almost where, pretty much where we've had all the, the best ideas for our show, is just standing out on this roof or going to the same spot and thinking, please, just let an idea land that we can do something with. And we knew we wanted on our first show to, to show people that this is a show that is closer to a variety show than it is to a talk show, really. And I was thinking about his career, and then I started thinking, well, I wonder if there's a way where if we, I wonder if whether we could just, so many, there's so many quotable lines, just life is like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get, and Toy Story, and Cast Away, and I thought about him putting his hand on my face, and I was like, oh, this feels like an idea. And then we pitched it to him, and he said, well, we can only do this if we do it properly, so I'll fly in the day before and we should rehearse it properly. And this whole day rehearsing it, I just kept saying to him, thank you so much for doing this, honestly, thank you so much. And he said something, and I'll never ever forget it. He said, James, this is show business. The high points in your career, how often do you think about them? I said, oh, not, not really at all, really. He said, and the stuff that you wish you could have done better, the stuff you wish you'd worked harder on. He said, how often do you think about them? I said, yeah, probably quite a lot, actually. And he went, and that's it. He went, the harder you work, the quicker you can forget about it. And that's show business. And I was like, that OK, so, I'll remember that. that. Is, right. You know what? That is so right, isn't it? He's like, the more you work, the easier it is. Now, the, the, the carpool thing, I want you to explain, because 
people who may not understand if they don't know LA that a carpool is a genuine thing. It's a mm. way of getting to work so that you can go in the fast lane, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So explain with that knowledge, explain how the carpool karaoke came about. We had done a sketch for Comic Relief with uh, George Michael, a Smithy sketch for Comic yeah. Relief, which was uh, me and George Michael singing Wham songs in a car, and people really liked it. There was a warmth in it. There was a, a, a warmth that we, was, was unquantifiable, really. We couldn't really work out what it was that would just make people smile. And we talked a lot about this, and we talked about L.A., and the thing that people talk about in L.A. is the carpool lane. And then I can remember it. We just went, carpool karaoke. And we were like, oh, that's it. Oh, everyone's going to want to do this. And no one did. <laughs> like, no one. And I understand it. I understand why. It's such a, such a ridiculous pitch. You know this guy you've never heard of. He'd like to pick up your client who is, you know, Lionel Richie or Mariah Carey or, you know, any artist in the world, and they drive around and they'll sing their hits in the car and you won't be able to be in there. It'll just be them on their own. And, and everyone said no. And then it was just a chance meeting, actually, with a, a, a woman from Mariah Carey's record company who was in our office to try and pitch us a band, and I played her, me and George Michael, and she said, will you send me a link of that so I can show it to Mariah Carey? Because we knew we had to start with someone yeah. big. And they said, Mariah's a huge fan of George's, George Michael's. If George has done it, she'll do it. Let's do it on Sunday. And we were going to launch, and our show started the next week. So we were like, okay, and... and <laughs> And that was it, really. And, and then we never thought that it would just become this kind of monster, really, where... I mean, it's massive, it? you know. As yeah. I was saying nearly enough, one and a half billion YouTube views. It's but there, crazy. there was one person that I know really ranked up the gear once, once they've sure. been on it. You know, I don't even think I'd ever get to meet Stevie Wonder, let alone that I would get to just sing his hits with him in a car. And then for him to call my wife and... <laughs> You know, and say the very thing you want her to know about you every single day is, is too much for me. But I love that because there's a moment there where the little boy from High Wycombe is in that car. Not, not, not the chat show's host, not the guy who's won the awards, not the fellow who's won the Tonys, the BAFTAs, all of that. There's a boy from High Wycombe sat in that car thinking, I cannot believe this is happening to me. And that's beautiful to see. I've, I felt like, I, you know, to even just sit here... With you, and I don't know if it's because I'm like a fractionally jet lagged and I'm sort of back in London and I saw my family yesterday and it's all just, we're living in a house which is around the corner from the house we used to live in and I feel, I feel ever so slightly emotional anyway, but even just, you know, sitting here with you, the history that we have, I feel that I, constantly right now, it, it's a, a sort of constant feeling of I, I don't really know what I might have done to deserve such uh, experiences, you know, in my, in, my, in my life. I feel it constantly. I feel it all the time. I don't really know why I would be allowed to have such uh, what I consider to be such a sort of blessed uh, time on the planet. This podcast is sponsored by UKTV Play, the free on-demand service where you can watch the TV shows you love from Dave, Yesterday, Really and Drama, wherever you want, whenever you want. The home of BAFTA-nominated series Taskmaster and the critically acclaimed Red Dwarf, alongside other UK TV Play exclusive including The White Princess and Most Haunted.
UK TV Play offers free access to thousands of hours of comedy, drama, documentaries, and paranormal TV. All for Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. One of the things that's become apparent is this is all you wanted to do. You, you, you wanted to do drama, you wanted to do this singing, you wanted to do dancing and acting and writing. And that was your ticket out of the life that you had. Yeah, well, I don't even know if I saw it as even a, a sort of ticket out, if, if you like. I just, I just don't remember a time where I, I didn't want to perform in some capacity. I, I just don't. I don't remember it. I, I, I can't, you know, I never wanted to be a fireman. I never wanted to be a football player, which is good, you know, it's a real, <laughs> really, because that would have ended badly. And I don't I, know, you know the, way, the way England are now, I think we've, <laughs> me and you have got a chance. We've both technically played more football than Jack Wilshire in the last two years, so we could get a shot. But I mean, no, I sort of, I, I do, uh, I don't remember a time. I can remember at school, like we'd go to, the, you know, the, like the careers advisor yeah. would sit down, and and uh, and I would say, well, I'm going to be an actor, and she'd say, No, you'd like to be an actor, and I'd say, No, I think I'm going to be an actor, and and she said, Well, you need, you really need to have something to fall back on, and I can remember thinking at the time, Well, if if I if I'm even considering something to fall back on and I'm considering failure in some capacity and and that just didn't make sense to me because I'd always just come from a place of like well if I if I don't give up I, I can't fail to have that conviction must must mean that your family background's got to be really solid to give you that sense of confidence For and sure. self-worth absolutely well I I just yeah I mean my my dad was a musician in the Royal Air Force and is now a Christian book salesman. And my mum is a social worker and my sister is a social worker. And so in every sense, it, it, it was a, a solid upbringing, uh, like a, a bubble of love really, but not in, a, not in a way that it's annoying, like those people that wear like jumpers over their shoulders. Not like that, like... Yeah. <laughs> In a way, say, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not like that. Yeah, you know. I hate, I hate seeing people oh, too happy. Yeah. yeah. It was like a place of like, like it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if I went to school. And I think everyone on some level has experienced those days where you would go in and you're just, for some reason, your bag's different, your shoes yeah. are different, you look different, that you're not wanted, you're not included, you're outside of it. And that can really start to dent your confidence quite a lot, but it, it sort of didn't with me because I would go home to just these mum and dad who would just go, oh, I love you so much. And that is all you really need as a kid. Do you think their, their faith played a part in it? Because you, you, you were a Salvation Army family, for want of a better phrase, That's you? true, yes. For want of a better life, in many ways. <laughs> it's, uh, 
Yeah. And you played the corner to I the did, yeah. Well, because the truth is, however you grow up, the surroundings you grow up in, you just think is normal. Yeah. You, well, however you grow up, you just presume that that's what everybody... There's nothing weird about this. There's nothing weird that we're all putting a uniform on and <laughs> marching through the town with a trumpet. This is completely natural. I only look back now and think, what were we doing? This is ridiculous, you know. And, uh, and, and So how would you define your own faith? Do you, do, do you know what? I don't know. I really don't. I, I give it a tremendous amount of thought. Because um, there's two things you've said already t tonight where you've said where you get your best ideas when you stand on the roof of the studio and look up and go, just give me something. Yeah. And then you said, I don't know what it is that's made me so... And the word that you used was blessed to live this life. Yeah. Well, so I, so the, the language... Yes, for is, sure. Is part oh, of your psyche. Spiritual, absolutely. I guess, like, ultimately, like, what is faith? I don't know what it is other than a hunch. Yeah. And ultimately, if you were to say, what, is, what are my beliefs? I, like, I really struggle because you can't argue with science. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so, and I don't, and I think only a madman would. And there was a great, there's a great, I think it was Mark Twain who said, it's not the stuff you know that will undo you, it's the stuff you think you know that just ain't so. And, uh, and I sort of feel like about faith, really. I, I really don't know. I have really you had, have... Have you had this conversation with your... With your oh, with my dad? dad all the time. And he's a very, very cool Christian. Yeah, Who's like, mate, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, my dad, my dad will do this thing, and he knows how annoying he is when he does it. Is my dad will go, listen, I could be so wrong. Probably am. <laughs> he went, but if I'm wrong, I've got it completely wrong, and it's all, like, it's completely wrong. I've lived a great life and a life that I am proud of and I wouldn't change a thing. And then he'll go, but what if I'm right? <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> um, you can't get it. And I go, but I go, well, I don't believe that the God that you believe in would necessarily get rid of me just because I've got some doubts. And he goes... Let's hope not, eh? <laughs> and, uh, it's very, very powerful. But um, so in terms of faith, I, I really, I would never, ever go so far as to say that I was a Christian because I believe that that relies on a greater belief than I, than I have. But I, I absolutely do have a, a hunch that this can't be for nothing. Yeah. One, one of the things that, that I know you've discussed in the past and one of the things I've read about you when you talk about that sense of, of time and loss and importance of people was the moment that your dad said he was going to the Gulf War mm. to save in the Gulf War. Yeah. You were, what, 13 years About that, yeah. Well, my dad was a musician, so firstly, that made no sense to us. We were like, Dad was like, I've been called up to go to the Gulf War. To play me saxophone. And you're like, right. <laughs> Okay, is there a big demand for the boogie woogie bugle boy out there? Is that what's happening? And uh, and he said no, and he went as a stretcher bearer. And um, at that age, though, did they give you a sense of potential loss? It's probably the thing I can remember most vividly in terms of I can I can feel the texture of his camouflage gear when he hugged us in the kitchen. I can hear the tears of my mum as we all hugged together, I can remember the feeling of just silence as he drove down the road. And I can almost remember every single morning turning on like GMTV and waiting for news of something. Because at that point, like 
I think back on that time and how different it feels now in the world today where, like, my dad had been in the Air Force 20 years. It was inconceivable to him that he'd ever go to war. Yeah. And I can just remember it so vividly. I remember that every single day, I think it was away like three months in total. And then I remember going to RAF Uxbridge and when he was coming home and the bus pulling in. And I remember running alongside the bus and trying to see him and thinking for a second, what if he's not on there? And I remember him getting off the bus and I remember me and my sister jumping on my dad. I remember he smelt like the beach. He smelt like that thing when you're close, when you get back from the beach and he had a tan and he looked great. He looked like he'd had a blast. <laughs> and, uh, and I can remember the sigh of relief of my mum when they held hands. And so I don't know if it gave me a perspective on, on loss or any of those things, but it certainly felt like a, a feeling of, oh, this cocoon that we're in can just be broken at any point, yeah. you know? I've seen you with your family and you are extremely close, mm. really close. And, and the love that you mentioned before and the bond it comes out. Now that you're a father, is, is the lessons that you've learned in the past that you're trying to instill, you said before that you, you considered your life and your career and this opportunity in America to be a, an opportunity to be closer yeah. with, with, with the kids now that they're young with Max and Curry, now that they're of an age that you can be there. What I've just realised is it's just not a healthy environment for me not to be there. Yeah. For me to go away and come back and be like, oh, the tax break for movies is in Atlanta. I'll be back in a few months. See you later, guys. Take it easy. Like, I want to be... What I, I realise is I want to be a, a consistent and present dad, you know, and husband. And, uh, and so I feel very, very lucky that, my, that I'm afforded such a life because so many people aren't. And, you know, your, your kids, they just... Uh, certainly at the age that my children are now, my son is five and my daughter's one, they don't care. They don't care how big our house is. They don't care what car we're in. They don't care what shoes their mum's got. They, they just care if you're around. Mm. That's it. That's it. And the, the joy of uh, being around them is, is great. Unless you're on a plane from Los Angeles and then it's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare. You're like, the feeling you get, uh, no, the I'm feeling you I'm get I'm... of walking on a plane, I mean, my God, uh, walking on a plane <laughs> with a one-year-old. And everyone into, like, And also, like, you know, the in, like, seats. nice class with, like, beds. The look of disdain on people's faces where you just, you're looking at going, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I don't know what to do. I'm sorry, I don't know what to do. And I remember this guy once... Uh, I remember Max we were on a plane once and he was sick. And he was like, because he'd had his bottle and his feed and his turbulence, whatever, and he was sick on me. And a guy over from the aisle just went, ugh, like that. And I went to him, mate, I've got sick on me. How are you more annoyed? And he went, I haven't paid to sit in first class with children throwing up. I said, no. You've paid to sit in first class with rich kids throwing up. But <laughs> <laughs> well, to take you back to that kid from Higher Wickham, mm. the one who wanted to, to perform, wants to get into acting, and you're, you know, you're a big kid. 
Mm. You know, you're, you're overweight, you're mm. a big kid. So getting into it, what was the thing that made you believe to keep going to not give up? I'd go up for auditions for stuff, for like paint commercials or the, uh, the Sound of Music in Plymouth or Lost in Yonkers in the West End and I would never get a job, but I'd always get recorded and I would always get to the last two or three and I would never get a single job. And uh, the truth is I, I can, I'm very, very grateful for that rejection now because actually that's the only thing that separates a professional and an amateur is rejection, like, yeah. is hearing you're too fat or you're too short or you're too small or, or you're, you're, your ears are too big, your the eyes are the wrong colour, you're not right for this, you're not right for that. Hearing that enough times is the only thing which you've got to get used to. And I'm very, very glad now, retrospectively, it was hard at the time, but now... Did you ever think... What if I lose some weight? What if I change me oh, to fit them? Still, every day, yes, now. I no. mean, you've known me. As long as I've known you, I've been on a diet. Some yeah. crazy of some thing. Yeah. Of some crazy thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I mean, yeah, yeah, like now, now you're no, nowhere near the size that you were, were then. You know, when you... When you For I, sure, yeah, and, and yes, of course. And, but there would, there would be much greater reasons to lose weight than work. Yeah. But the truth is... In a way where you can only imagine maybe everything's written for you is like I was in my 20s, I looked like I was about 15, and I auditioned for a TV show called Fat Friends. Yeah. Uh, which was a Kay Mella series about a group of people that went to a slimming group in Leeds. And the script, I can remember reading it thinking, oh my God, this is a lead part. I've got like an hour to carry if I get this. And I got this part, and it, and then that, that part was like, and I wouldn't have got that part had I not been big. Yeah. And you mentioned Jules, Julia, <clears throat> your wife, and who's, who you've, again, said many times before, she's, she's the biggest, most important thing that's happened to you. <clears throat> Where did you meet? Because she's not from the industry, is she? No. God, no. Uh, she, uh, no, she, she used to work for Save the Children and we met through my old flatmate, Dominic Cooper, who I was in the History Boys with, who they've been friends for a long time. And, uh, yeah, and we, we met and, um, you know, she's, she's great. She's, she's amazing. She's an amazing person, an amazing spirit and presence to be around. And the only thing I doubt in her is that she chose to marry me. That's the only, um, and that's true, it's funny, Two nights ago, we went to a friend's house and they had, um, and two of them, they've had, basically two friends of ours have had new babies, newborn babies who are like 12 weeks and 15 weeks old. And um, one of them was talking about how hard it was moving house. And they've literally moved like up the road to be closer to her parents. And what was amazing was I, I looked at like Julia and like, you know, I think about what she has done and given up for us as a family to be together. And, and, and I thought, well, our daughter was like seven weeks old and we packed up our house and we moved the other side of the world where we knew no one. And I went to work and Julia had to just sort of find a life for herself and has done amazingly. And the thing that was amazing was not one minute did she go, what are you complaining about? <laughs> she just like went, oh God, yeah, it's hard, you know. 
And that's the sort of greatest thing I could say about her, really, is she, uh, she's, she's, a, one, she's a, a wonderful anchor to have around, and uh, she's a symphony of one, you know? That's what, what I, you know, and, and Seeing you at close quarters, it's a very easy love you have. It's very fluid. She wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare. Like, and listen, and, you know, and the truth is, like, I, I, I feel, yeah, I, like, I don't, I, yeah, I, she would hate to even be talked about in this way on television. But I, when you say that, but I, we, we, with all of our guests on the show, we always ask them right at the end to, to show us one photograph that meant that the, of all the pictures that they've got. And this is the picture that, that you picked. That was on... From uh, what you said, it's obvious. Why, but where was it? Tell well, this it. is actually... Uh, th this was on Thanksgiving. So in, in America on Thanksgiving, all anyone does for about two weeks before Thanksgiving is ask where you're spending Thanksgiving. <laughs> and we realised that we'll certainly be in America now for, for a, a, a few more years. And uh, we were like, oh, we're going to need to... Like lots of people, it's a huge tradition. Bigger than Christmas, really, in many ways. And we were like, oh, we need to work out what our, what's our family going to do on Thanksgiving. And I said, why don't we see no one else but us? Let's make it, for as long as we're here, that Thanksgiving will just be us four. And so we woke up in the morning and we watched the parade which is not that great. And, uh, it's not like the Sally Army, let's be honest. Do you know what I mean? And then, um, and then that afternoon, and this was about four o'clock, we went, this beach is like, this is going to annoy you so much, this beach is like four minutes from our house. And uh, I know, it's so annoying, I'm sorry. And, um, and so we just walked down there. That's my son who's like jumping in the air. And I remember thinking, if today is Thanksgiving, these are three wonderful people that I will forever give thanks for. And um, so when you asked to send a photo, that was the sort of first place I sort of scrolled to, really. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, just lucky, isn't it? All your choices are half luck, and I'm pleased that those ones came my way, you know? I was looking at you, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? It, you said something then, and you said you're going to hate this, but the beach is four minutes from my house. And I don't think anyone will hate it, because one thing about you, and I think it's fair for us all to say... We're living your life through you because you've still got the joy of knowing that, that you're doing something that's amazing. And I think that's the, the, the good thing about you. Where it, where it can take you next, God only knows because it just keeps getting better and better. And if you were to speak to that boy who kept on getting the rejections, mm. what would you say to him? I would probably tell him that all of those things that he thinks are really important and all of those things that he thinks are going to make him really happy, and all of those things that, are, that he thinks are going to be great, are not the things that are, but it's fun finding out. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I think uh, on behalf of everyone here and from me, this has been a brilliant conversation. Oh, I loved it. Thanks, mate. This podcast was brought to you by UK TV Play, the free on-demand service. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.